You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to take a look at free agency, what was going down around the league, and of course, for the Winnipeg Jets, we're going to take a look at who they still have to sign, and we're going to take a look at some other off-season news that we've been hearing. All of this and more on today's show. All right, so segment number one, taking a look at free agency, Kyle. Uh, first off, just Winnipeg Jets league-wide, doesn't matter. What did you notice most or what surprised you or stood out to you about NHL free agency a couple weeks ago? Yeah, it's always interesting um, going into free agency because there's all the potential for new deals. There's all these speculation of who's going to sign where. The interesting thing is a lot of deals get um, almost like a, a handshake is done before July 1st, and it's just you have to wait for the official signing to be announced. Uh, the thing that struck me this year is um, some of the interesting deals in regards to um, older players getting deals or players getting signed to longer-term deals um, that I maybe didn't think were going to, uh, specifically a guy like Brandon Tanev. We'll touch on him a little bit later. Um, but just a few interesting ones like that, also a few big-money contracts. I would say it was a pretty um, decently-sized July 1st this year. Yeah, and I just take a look at the Winnipeg Jets who got signed elsewhere, and that's always kind of where my thoughts go immediately and how all three uh, got signed kind of to an overpayment, what I think a lot of Jets fans would have wanted. I was okay if we would have kept all of the players that they lost, Tanev, Myers, and Sherrod. I liked all of them to a degree if they were on affordable contracts. And I think that's always the thing with players, and we kind of talked about this before free agency. These aren't bad players, but for the price point that they're getting, you don't necessarily want them in your lineup because it's about value. $6 million for Tyler Myers, I think, is high. The Jets didn't really like him as a top-four defenseman, and so I don't want to pay $6 million for a bottom pairing. He's going to get bigger minutes in Vancouver. I don't know if they're going to be happy with that $6 million over five years. And same thing goes with Brandon Tanev. Is Tanev worth maybe $3 million? Maybe. He's gotten better. But it seems like Pittsburgh thinks he has all this untapped potential. He had a career high last year. Now he's cashing in on a six-year deal over $3 million. I think it's, what, three and a half per Per year, and yep. now he's getting this massive contract with Pittsburgh. Good on him. But again, I think that's just too long for that type of player uh, to have him on the books. And then you take a look at Ben Sherrod and his deal, which was signed uh, slightly after, a little bit later than that first day, uh, going to the Montreal Canadiens, three years, three and a half million. I have no problem. I would have preferred more two and a half. Uh, he's one that I'm kind of sad we missed out on. But again, I think Montreal might be disappointed because he is was kind of carried by Dustin Bufflin. Well, the interesting thing here is I think the amount of term that was given up, um, specifically all on, on Tanev and Myers as well, and, and as we see the trend in the NHL going younger and younger, guys who we used to think hit their primes in their late 20s, well, maybe the we figured out the primes are maybe a little bit earlier than that. Guys start to drop off once they hit their 30s for sure and you see a lot of players who are in their early 30s are out of a contract they can't even get a job anymore but then you look at a guy like Brandon Tanev well he's already 27 years old you might not think he's that old but if you remember he did a a full degree in university uh, and and came kind of as a mature player a little bit older into the league he's signed for one two three four five six seasons at three and a half million the style that Brandon Tanev plays is all, all about speed all about aggression. He led the Jets in hits. If he's 27 now, 
what's he going to look like at 33 years old? Is he going to be as valuable? Is he going to be able to skate around the ice like he does now when he's 33 and with another six years of wear and tear on his body? For me, that's the biggest concern for Tanev's contract. The $3.5 million, you can maybe justify it if you really need a penalty killer, an energy guy, that sort of thing. Still a little bit much, but a, a six-year deal is absolutely insane uh, for a bottom six type of guy. And, and for Tyler Myers, I think kind of the same thing. Tyler Myers is 29 years old, signing a five-year contract. He's going to be 34 years old. Uh, he's dealt with a few things over his career. You never know how his body's going to hold up. A lot of times, taller type of players have knee problems, back problems. How is a 34-year-old Tyler Myers going to look making $6 million? To me, those are the two really bad uh, uh, contracts and the ones that I'm glad the Winnipeg Jets avoided because I don't think the Winnipeg Jets would have paid that much for either player. So now you take a look at some of the other uh, big money handed out. Obviously, one of the biggest contracts being handed out uh, was going to Panarin making what is it over? Yeah, eleven point six four two million dollars is his cap hit. Seven year deal, eighty one million dollars. Now he is a premier player going to the New York Rangers, and I guess you you have to pay that. And I don't know if that's an overpayment. It might be at the end of the contract. Just about every contract that's over ten million looks slightly like, like an overpay by the end of it. But I think he could definitely be worth that for the next little while here. But Brovsky, seven years, $10 million. Some seasons he's definitely worth it. Others, maybe not as much. Joe Pavelski hopefully can keep up that $7 million, uh pace. What do you think about Matt Duchesne getting seven years, $8 million per? Well, I thought that was probably the best value for any of those guys. I thought Matt Duchesne could fetch almost double digits somewhere. Coming in at only $8 million, that's not bad. But once again, a seven-year term, what is Matt Duchesne going to look like in seven years down the road? That's going to be a, a, a tough sort of thing. Same with Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah, maybe do, our goaltenders last longer, but for me, and, and we see it every single year, how many times have teams had to buy out players because the players have aged not very gracefully and they can't even play anymore? How many times have we seen that across the league every single season? It, it's such a recurring theme, yet teams still give out contracts with such long terms and I get that that's exactly what the players are going for because they're trying to sign for as many years as possible to give them the insurance as well so I understand that's what they're going for but it's just that's the thing that strikes me the most um, every single season on July 1st um, for pretty much all of these players. Now taking a look at all these contracts and even the ones that have signed since uh, the first Andre Burakovsky signing with the Colorado Avalanche as a restricted free agent. Uh, that one actually signed today a $3.25 million cap hit. There's not a lot of middle class, if you will, it seems like being signed. A couple of contracts, there's only like two or three contracts between four and six million. Uh, there's a lot that are under four. And then there's a fair amount uh, that are six and up, it appears. But there's really only Cody Cece signs for four and a half. There's a couple of the goalies, Varlamov and Leonard, who both signed for five million each. But then there's a bunch that are over that. And then a number of the contracts that are well below that amount. It's kind of weird how that works. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, if you have money and you have lots of money, you're trying to make a splash. And that's what we see with with the high-end talent. And so you, I think you kind of have these two camps of teams. You have the, the teams that are looking to spend big, transform the roster, and then you have essentially the other half, which is trying to save money. They're trying to pinch every penny they can 
the Winnipeg Jets definitely fall into that category, spending very little in free agency. Each individual player, very cost-effective as well. And you see a lot of these players being signed for near-league minimum. A lot of guys taking chances on players, former um, maybe guys with high pedigrees that maybe need a second chance. It's a lot of just going out and seeing what you can get for a, as little money as possible because everybody else is trying to save if they don't have that cap space. I think, yeah, and I think that free agency is just notorious for bad contracts, and that's just the way the system works is that if you want a player, they're, you're bidding, it's an auction. Garage sales, you get deals. Auction sales, you don't. Prices go high, and that's basically what this is. It's an auction sale and prices go sky high. You don't really get that type of savings at this time of year. And so now when you take a look at uh, all of the different contracts that have been made, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of these that are going to shoot teams in the foot down the road. The Jets didn't do that, and I'm kind of glad that they didn't sign too many. They've signed Nathan Beaulieu. They've re- uh, re-signed him, I should say. And they've also added uh, Batetto, and they've added Letestu. Uh, your thoughts on the Jets' signings? Well, it's interesting because it's really not much. And, I mean, Mark Letestu, uh, maybe more of a, a household name a few years ago. I mean, never really a household name, uh, more so in Winnipeg, just because the fact that he always scored against Winnipeg. Going back a couple of seasons, uh, I have a really good friend who's a Edmonton Oilers fan. Whenever we would watch those games or whenever the teams would play each other, Latestu was always the guy scoring the goals, and it's just funny how that worked. Uh, but Latestu, he's one of those players where he's had a, a good long career in the NHL, but it seems to kind of just be coming to an end. Uh, hardly playing at all um, last year. I don't think really touched the ice last year. Um, two years ago, playing a little bit. So is he going to find his way onto the Jets? Most likely not. Not at this stage in his career. Probably going to be sent down to the Moose. Maybe a guy you can call up if you need. Um, I don't mind the uh, Potato signing. Once again, kind of a guy that's been back and forth. If he can find a home, the Winnipeg Jets need more defenders. If he can find a home as a dependable third-pairing defender, that could turn out for a decent contract. And uh, Nathan Beaulieu, I think that's exactly what the Winnipeg Jets were hoping for. We need some cost-effective options on the blue line. Beaulieu is that being at only $1 million. Uh, granted, it's only one season, but it's kind of a, it, it means it's another contract year for him. So it's a, a show us what you got. He's going to want to put his best foot forward because he's a UFA uh, next summer. So he's going to want to really play for his next contract. It could be a really good season for Nathan Beaulieu. Well, and I think Cap Friendly puts it best. They've got both Latestu and Batetto both on the non-roster players list and because it's not really expected that these guys are going to make the team out of camp, and especially with a lot of other guys uh, ahead of them potentially on the roster, like Mason Appleton potentially moving up, Christian Veselin, and I really don't think Latestu is going to be high on anybody's list to make the team out of camp. And then one other signing that you wanted to mention was Vili Hainola getting a contract. Yeah, and if the name sounds familiar to you, uh, it's because you only heard it a few weeks ago at the NHL Entry Draft. He was the Winnipeg Jets' first-round selection, 20th overall. Um, he was just signed as of uh, today to an entry-level contract for the Winnipeg Jets. A little bit of a curious signing. A lot of people expected uh, expected him to stay in Finland. He was playing in Liga last year uh, as a 17-year-old. He just turned 18 in March. Uh, he put up um, double-digit points. He had two goals and 12 assists in only 34 games uh, in Liga, and that's playing against full-grown men. 
so that's a very good showing for him as a as an underager. Um, so maybe he's closer to the pro hockey. He's already played against men for a year. He could be making his way uh, to the Moose this season, and you never know what happens. Maybe he's on the Jets roster uh, come fall. Yeah, and so what are your expectations for him this year? Is it to make the Moose and get a couple spot appearances for the Jets? Well, I mean, my expectations at the start was to have him stay in Finland for a year. Uh, this kind of throws a, a wrench into my thoughts of him because I thought he was going to be spending at least a year in Europe, probably coming over after that, playing a year for the Moose, uh, kind of like a Sammy Niku playing um, multiple years, working his way up, that sort of thing. Maybe we see an accelerated um, type of career path for Heinola. I mean, could he make the Jets roster out of camp? I really would like to see him play if he if he's showcasing his talent in in training camp there's no reason why he can't be a depth defender for the Winnipeg Jets given the blue line situation right now all right so next up let's take a look at what's still to come some of the free agents from around the league and some of the Jets players that haven't signed just yet and what's left for Winnipeg so now that the dust has settled over the first few weeks of free agency there's really not much left to do for Sheffield the, the roster is essentially intact it's just a matter of signing their own players now yeah and so the Jets have four players left as RFAs Patrick Laine, Andrew Kopp, Kyle Connor and Neil Pionk so what are your thoughts getting these four guys signed well it's interesting so if you, if you look or if you're following the news uh, Jets Nation put it out uh, last week I think the arbitration dates for Kopp and Pionk are coming up I believe that's uh, later this week into next week um, but Laine and Connor um, with nothing to do with that. So it's almost as if there's a deadline for Kopp and Pionk, not for Line Connor. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the deadlines are. The Winnipeg Jets, as of right now, only have $22.8 million of cap space, and they have four of these guys left to sign. And so now when you take a look at these guys and the amount of money that you have left for the Winnipeg Jets, how do you try and fit these guys all in under, under that $22, $23 million mark? Yeah, so it's tough because we know Patrick Laine's eyeing, uh, let's say, $9 million roughly. Um, so f- that's already almost half of that cap space gone. So if is at 9 uh, Connor's projected potentially around the 7 mark. Just between those two guys, you now have 16 of that $22 million or $23 million used up. It's really interesting when you take a look at those numbers and you say $16 million tied up. You get so many different numbers thrown out there. Somebody was saying maybe Timo Meyer is a Kyle Connor comparable. He got $6 million. Is Connor that much better than Ehlers? He's had a really good opportunity playing with Wheeler and Shifley. I see somebody commenting Jake Gensel. He signed a five-year, $30 million extension, so that'd be $6 million per. He could be comparable to Kyle Connor. When you take a look at their games played and their actual point totals, not too far off. And Gensel's also played with some really good players. So... If you get him between six and seven, I think that'd be pretty solid for Kyle Connor. And like you said, nine. And again, it really depends whether you want to go long term or short term and what you want to do with the defense and how much room you want to have left over. What do you think an arbitrator is going to give Pionk and Cop? Because if you have those guys in for 16 million and if 22 and a half ish is what you have to work with, that's six million and change to get Cop and Pionk under contract. Yeah, it's tough. And I mean, uh, Pionk was um, probably estimated around the two-ish million mark. I, I mean, it's tough to say because it's all depending on what you think 
of him going forward. He's only 23 years of age, um, essentially only having one full season in the NHL. If he's a candidate to trend upwards, well, maybe you're looking at a three or four million deal if you think he's going to be worth it. I'm of the opinion he probably will not be. So I would like to go a little bit, um, maybe less term, less money. See if you can get him at a at a two million, that sort of thing. But it really that one's going to be interesting, and I think Andrew Kopp's going to be interesting as well because Andrew Kopp has really come into his own in the last year. He's a valuable piece to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he, he's anchored the fourth line now. Pretty much all of last year he did that. Um, we know what he does when he's with Lowry, but when he's apart, he's showcasing he's more than a one-trick pony with his buddy Adam Lowry that he can uh, center a line himself. He's very valuable in that bottom six, but how much do you want to pay your fourth-line center? And, and that's, I think, the issue for Andrew Kopp. Could he get 3 to $4 million on the open market? Probably. Can the Winnipeg Jets afford to give him $4 million? Well, no, I don't think so. $3 million, maybe. So, so Cop is going to be a really interesting one, I think. I, I think as well to maybe the two and a half to three and a half million mark. And Pionk, I'm looking hopefully for the the two-ish roughly. And, and just like that, you have another five or six million tied up, and that's pretty much your twenty-two and a half million dollars gone with those four players. Well, I'm right there with you. Cop is valuable, but again, he's valuable because of his cap hit. And again, all players are like that. They're valuable to a point if you're not producing to what you're making. And so Andrew Kopp at a million bucks is super valuable. But if you're all of a sudden paying him three and a half, four million dollars, you sure expect a lot more than what you've been getting, wouldn't you? Like you take a look at his point totals over the last few years for the Jets. He's had 25 points in 69 games last year. He had 28 points in 82 games. And those aren't bad numbers. There's nothing wrong with those. But again, is that worth three and a half, four million if he's on a fourth line in a defensive role. Maybe. Maybe he gets more responsibility. Maybe you shift things around and you really try and balance things out and you give him a little bit more responsibility. And again, that's just, I think we'll have to wait and see. It's interesting what, if they get to arbitration. So let's just say, are they going to get to arbitration? Yes or no? I think on Andrew Cobb, no. They'll probably come up with something. And I actually think with Pionk as well, I don't think they will because I don't know if Pionk wants to go to arbitration because if you look and you dig into some of those underlying numbers, they're not that great for him. He might be better off just signing a deal. I think Andrew Kopp would probably be better off signing a deal. Um, I'm kind of comparing Andrew Kopp to Adam Lowry. Um, Lowry signed um, is just under $3 million per season, a three-year deal. Um, He just finished the first of that deal. So Adam Lowry is just under that $3 million mark if the Jets could get Cop or, or say to Cop, say, hey, we're viewing you similar as a Lowry-type player and get him for just under $3 million, I think that would be a good move for Winnipeg. Yeah, I think it's got to be under $3 million as well. And so then we'll have to wait and see as far as uh, Pionk's numbers and where they can get him for that as well. But let's take a look quickly. Is there anything else you want to mention as far as that goes? No, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. you got those four guys... Um, you got the $23 million, you just have to make it work. And I think the Winnipeg Jets can. The issue is there's just not much room for anything else. No, and so the only way you're going to get anybody else is if it's coming via a trade or a kind of like a Latestu, like super depth option or like a Beaulieu, a guy who's borderline lineup and could potentially come in. But like you talk about Jake Gardner, 
yes, it would be nice to have Jake Gardner on the Jets roster this year, but somebody's going to have to move out. Either you buy out Kulikov and then maybe get Gardner. Maybe you, again, or trade out Kulikov's contract for Gardner instead. I don't know what you'd have to do, but you'd have to do something. And maybe there's a guy like Ben Hutton. Here's a guy who's a defenseman who's 26 years old. He's played in Vancouver. I don't know necessarily whether the Jets would want him or not, but maybe there's a guy you could get for $2 million if you can get those other four contracts just under. There's still some maybe some work to be done if you can get maybe a $1 or $2 million guy. I just don't think you can get much more than that. Yeah, and I totally agree. And looking down the free agent list, there's really not much. Maybe you could find a few diamonds in the rough or a few slightly valuable players at low cap hits, but for the most part, a lot of those guys have already been gobbled up by other teams, so you're pretty much left with, you sign your RFAs, and from there, you're probably going to have to do something via trade. Yeah, so trade would be an option. Uh, One last thing I wanted to get into this segment before we get into segment number three and maybe looking at some trades and some ways to shake things up. Uh, If you're looking for a good resource as far as cap hits are concerned, uh, there's some guys at Evolving Wild. You can find them on Twitter. Uh, Their Twitter handle is evolve at evolving wild uh or at evolving hockey uh and they've put together a google document of what their projected contracts will be for a lot of these uh, free agents in 2019 and they take a lot of different factors comparables and things into consideration and when looking at the winnipeg jets players specifically patrick line uh they have him at 7 years 7.07 million per i think that's a lot lower than what a lot of other projections have been but these guys are fairly accurate from what we've seen and then for uh Kyle Connor uh, a 6 year deal at 6.8 million so a little bit less term but also um, a little bit less money. And so they said Myers, a $6 million contract hit. They were pretty much bang on with him. They were pretty much bang on with Panarin and a lot of the uh, big-name free agents that have been signed already. And so when you take a look at those mon- those numbers, maybe, Kyle, there is a little bit more money to go around for the Jets. I mean, there is when you use those numbers, and they're pretty accurate from what we've seen. So, I mean, maybe that's a good one to use. Um, but, but the issue is you, you never actually know until a contract is signed. And, and what I mean by that is what I have said that anybody was going to give Brandon Tanev a six year contract. Never. I, I never would have suggested anything like that yet. We see it. And, and I think there's just some of those moves. I don't think the Jets are going to be signing these guys to one of those head scratching type contracts, but projections all you want. There's just, you never know until it's done. And even with those with those projections, it leaves you still with not tons. Yeah, a little bit more room, but still with not with not a ton of available space to make a move. Um, I, I think any real impact players are still out of the question. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And if you are curious what they said for Pionk and Cop, they said Pionk just under three and then Cop just over two. And so uh, we'll have to see what actually gets done. But that's what we're going to look at in the final segment is trade opportunities and how do the Winnipeg Jets really shake up their roster other than just these signings that are probably inevitable like we've talked about. So it seems as though the roster is pretty much set like we mentioned before. But could there be another move that potentially shakes up the roster even more? You never know with Nikolai Ehlers. The rumors have been swirling 
that this kid might get dealt. What do you think of that? I I don't know what to think. Everybody always says his playoff performance is too much of a small sample size, and I agree. I talk to a lot of casual Jets fans, and I often ask what their thoughts are on certain players, and uh, Nick Ehlers often comes up. There's a lot of people who really like him, who really like his potential. There are others, though, who feel that he can sometimes disappear, and it's they're not talking about his numbers, they're just talking about his play. There have been times and stretches where he does disappear during the regular season and different times of the year and in the playoffs. But just playoffs aside, overall his numbers are pretty solid. But there are periods of time, kind of like Patrick Laine, where he isn't the best player on the ice. But his $6 million cap hit, fairly reasonable for what the Winnipeg Jets have received. But let's just look at some of his point totals since he's come to Winnipeg. His first full season, 72 games. This was his rookie season. Uh, He played with the Halifax Mooseheads, and then once he actually made the club, uh, he had 38 points in 72 games, so just under half a point uh, per game. He then had 64 points in 82 games, a much better improvement. He had 60 points in 82 games again, so pretty straight across. Then he missed some time last year. He had 37 points in 62. So he stayed fairly consistent, more or less, a little over a half a point per game. He has 90 goals, 199 points in 299 games in total. His numbers are actually pretty solid, but he's not overly physical. He doesn't necessarily... He can skate like the wind through the neutral zone. His defensive play, is it there? I don't always see it. What do you think? What are your thoughts on Nick Ehlers? Well, I really like Nikolai Ehlers, and I think uh, I always talk about the way the NHL is changing, especially in recent years. And the way it is changing is the smaller, faster game. We've seen that for the last number of years now. Ehlers fits that perfectly because he is smaller. He is faster. He is exactly what you need, the type of player you want to build your team around. And when we're looking at some of the superstars in the league, it's, yes, they're more skilled than everybody else, but they're also faster than everybody else. And it's one of the most coveted things in the NHL right now. So to give up arguably the fastest player on the team would not be a great move. To go along with that, he scored over 20 goals every year minus his rookie season. Even only playing 62 games, he scored over 20 goals. You're looking at a perennial probably 25 to 30 I mean, he hasn't hit 30 goals yet, but a perennial 25-goal scorer, still young, to sign only $6 million. If Nikolai Ehlers could play with somebody other than Brian Little, I think his numbers might go skywards. And I was talking to um, one of my friends who was a big Oilers fan because of the rumors with Ehlers being traded. He said, and I said as well, if, if Ehlers could get on a line with Connor McDavid, they could do unreal damage across the NHL. You pair two guys up that are that skilled, that speedy, I don't think there's a better fit. Obviously, everybody fits well with Connor McDavid, but some people can't keep up with him. A guy like Nikolai Ehlers can. And then on the other hand, you have Brian Little, who's getting older and not getting faster. And he's been playing with Nikolai Ehlers almost primarily over the last two seasons. So it's just a really interesting case where I think a player could really flourish if you go to a different organization. So I think for Winnipeg's perspective, you don't want to give up a guy like that that's going to flourish elsewhere. You want to get him somehow to flourish in your organization. And that's what I think is the next step for Ehlers and the Jets. 
Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I think you definitely want to keep him on your roster. You want to keep him on this team, and I don't think you want to sacrifice him for depth unless it's, or not depth. Well, yeah, you don't want to sacrifice him for depth, that's for sure, but you don't want to sacrifice him for defense unless you're getting a really good player in return who's also young, who's also got a ton of potential because Ehlers is still only 23, so there's still a lot of room. He's got a lot of term left on his contract. Contract. It's not bad value. And so that's why I don't think you want to get rid of him unless you're getting another young defenseman who's going to be a player for the future at a similar cap hit. Because the Jets don't have a lot of D prospects at reasonable cap hits for long term. Really, they only have Bufflin for two more years and Tucker Pullman's got two years left. Everybody else on this Jets defensive core right now only has one year left on their deal. Uh, Morrissey, this is his last year at $3 million. He's going to go up. Beaulieu signed a one-year deal. Sammy Niku's got in his last year of his entry-level contract. Neil Pionk needs a contract here right away. But So if you could get somebody that's young and up-and-coming, and I don't necessarily even want to throw around names because guys will take that the wrong way, that this is who I want for Ehlers. But if you could get somebody who's around that 23-year-old mark, like a Josh Morrissey, 24. If you could get somebody like Josh Morrissey, let's say a Josh Morrissey clone, I would do it. Wouldn't you? For Nick well, Because See, here's the, th- here's the thing, but but in my opinion, of, of players I want to keep, Ehlers is up there. Absolutely. I would rather trade away a guy like Kyle Connor to get back something like that. So you value Ehlers over Connor? Yeah, and it's pretty much only because of the contract. So here's the thing. For me, for me, they're very similar type of players. Speedy wingers who can score, right? And I know that's a very broad overgeneralization, but, but that's what it boils down to. So I think if you put Ehlers with Scheifele and Wheeler for an entire season, I think he outperforms Kyle Connor. I think he's the superior player to Kyle Connor. So if Kyle Connor is making more money than Nikolai Ehlers, and is a inferior player, to me that doesn't make any sense. You would want to trade that guy who's making more and not as valuable to the organization. So in my opinion, if you're going to be making a deal for one of your top wingers, I think it's got to be Connor, depending on the contract. If they can get him to a really team-friendly deal, which it doesn't seem like to be trending, then you maybe want to look at Ehlers. But for, for me, I'm looking at trading Connor before Ehlers. And kind of that's where I'm kind of confused by the speculation around Ehlers. Well, I think Wheeler and Shifley are the two untouchables. I think Wheeler would be tough to get good value back. And Shifley, there's not a chance I'd be trading Mark Shifley. Not even, that's not even in the conversation. Little, I don't think is going to give you much back in return. The only way you're trading him is if you're trying to save some money. Perot is your is just would be a contract dump. Adam Lowry could get you something back, but again, for the what he's making, you want to keep him on your team. Jack Rozovic's on an entry level deal, and so and I don't think Patrick Line is really going anywhere unless you're talking major shakeup. And so then the only two forwards that you really want to trade that could get you something of value are Ehlers or Connor, and so that's why I think it comes down to those two. And so now when you take a look at those two players, you are on the Ehlers camp. I personally really like Kyle Connor, and I know there have been some detractors online that do say that Ehlers is better. Kyle Connor has proven it, and people detract Connor because he's had good teammates. I feel that he's played 
there's been times where he's played good at times away from Shifley and Wheeler, but I agree that he's kind of in the same camp as Ehlers that away from good line mates, they do both sometimes struggle. And we've seen Ehlers play up and down the lineup briefly, and Connor as well, and again, when they're not playing with elite wingers, their numbers aren't as great. When they're playing with Shifley and Wheeler, their numbers go up. Kyle Connor has proved that he's a goal scorer at every single level, just like Ehlers. Ehlers had some ridiculous numbers in junior, and so did Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor had 34 goals in 56 games in the USHL. He had 35 goals again in college as a freshman in 38 games. He had 25 goals with the Manitoba Moose in 52 games. He's had over 30 goals now, two full years in the NHL. The guy can score. It's proven. I personally don't want to get rid of Kyle Connor. He's got an amazing shot. I think his shot's better than Ehlers. And again, he's a, again, a true, I think he's kind of like a Patrick Laine light, a little bit of a speedier shooter. I think Ehlers might be a little bit more of a playmaker. But again, it comes, comes down to style a little bit too, what you need. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think Connor is the better pure, pure goal scorer. Um, Nikolai Ehlers um, never, even even in junior, never really hit. I mean, he had 49 goals in 63 games, which is outrageous, um, but not quite the level of Kyle Connor for that, that pure goal scoring ability, um, but did have more of the assist totals as well, maybe more of the complete player. And, and I, I seem to see that when I watch them play Ehlers, tends to drive the play a little bit more. Um, he can kind of run a line. Kyle Connor looks to be the guy that's the passenger, and he just finishes. He, he does that in an excellent manner, but he, he's not the guy driving the play. And the Winnipeg Jets, I think, really need a, a, more guys to drive the play because beyond Shifley and or Wheeler, there really isn't anybody that can do that. Patrick Laine does not do that at all. Brian Little, maybe he did a few years ago, not so much anymore. A guy like Adam Lowry can, uh, but he's playing in the bottom six, so you need more of those guys in your top six, specifically that second line, and I think that's why Ehlers is so so valuable on the second line, uh, because he can drive that play. But, like we've seen in the past, Little between Ehlers and Line hasn't worked out too well, so the Winnipeg Jets have some configuring to do. Does a person get dealt for a second line center, just to switch things up, to get a different look. I think there's all these things going through Shovel Dayoff's mind this summer. They have to because it's going to be an interesting year for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, something might have to get worked around just trading for positional need uh, opposed to like where you have so many assets on the wing right now. So we'll have to see how this all plays out. But I'm right there with you. I don't want to be trading Ehlers for nothing, especially not a player like Aristolainen. I would want some defenseman of value. Uh, or again, if you're trading positionally somewhere in the middle, and again, contract value and all these different things come into it. I don't want to be trading him for a bunch of, again, a loony for a couple of quarters. I don't want to be making that kind of move with uh, Nick Ehlers. Uh, one last thing I quickly wanted to touch on. Uh, did you hear some rumors about Jacob Truba having a hard time signing a contract in New York? You put any stock in that? I mean, are, are we surprised? I don't think so. I kind of thought it might be easier being the fact that it was uh, where he wanted to be in New York, but not shocked. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that actually works out, uh, especially what it will be um, if he does sign a long-term deal. It's always interesting to keep tabs on former players. I mean, obviously, once they leave, you don't follow them as closely, but it's still interesting to see them 
and how they do what they do, what they sign for, that sort of thing. So I'm really interested to see how that whole situation plays out. Well, that does it for today's show. If there's anything else you want us to talk about, hit us up on Twitter. We are at Jets and a podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.